This is the Puppy Training Podcast, episode number 79, Service Dog Training. This podcast is designed to help you on your journey of becoming best friends through love and learning as you train your own dog from home. And I'm here to help you every step of the way. This is the Puppy Training Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Jensen. Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad that you could join us today on the Puppy Training Podcast. We have Lara Sarvinsky here with us today. She is one of our trainers here at Baxter and Bella. And I first met Lara when I was working with Good Dog Service Canines. She was a fellow service dog trainer, and she's amazing at it. So when I thought of this topic for the podcast, her name was the first one that came to mind. And I thought, why not have her on and explain a little bit about what she does and how she does it? And I have several questions I want to ask her. So Lara, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited. So can we start off, Lara, maybe just by introducing yourself to our listeners and telling them a little bit about you. Why dogs? How did you first get into dog training? Well, I, um, I first got into dog training when my grandma, uh, was a, an agility instructor. So she's a local dog trainer in our community and she was teaching agility classes and, and puppy obedience classes. And she wanted me to get involved and help. So I started um, being a helper in puppy classes, uh, and started doing agility with my Shetland sheepdog blaze when I was a kid and I got hooked on dog training. Um, and I didn't really think it could be a career at that time. I thought, gosh, I'm going to have to be like a veterinarian or I'm going to have to do something else where I can make money. Um, and I went to class one night and my grandma brought this brochure for Bergen university of canine studies and said, there's a school that offers, you know, degrees in dog training. And I said, no, this can't be real. It's fake. And I checked it out and went on a tour and I ended up going to school there and getting my degree in sinology, the study of dogs and then got into dog training. That is awesome. I love that that runs in your family. Yeah. Yep. She's still, she's gosh, almost 90 and still runs with her dogs and does field trials and, um, trains with them. And so I hope I have her genetics. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. I see that you're doing that with your dog now too. Yes. My little mini Aussie, uh, Finn, we're doing agility, um, and confirmation. Um, we're doing a disc dog this, uh, next month we're doing a disc dog tournament with Frisbee. Um, so that's a new sport we're going to try out and yeah, I love to do all kinds of different sports with him. And then my German shepherd, Emma is not necessarily, she doesn't like to leave the house as much. <laughs> She's a homebody, So she likes to play in the yard and everything, but yeah, so it's been fun. Well, very cool. Well, when did you get into service dog training? I got into service dog training while I was going to school at Bergen University of Canine Studies. One of the ways that they um, have us learn how to work with dogs is we each are assigned a dog per semester that we train for service work, Um, specifically mobility dogs and dogs for veterans with PTSD were our focus. Um, But yeah, each semester you had a different dog assigned to you. They tried to give you different personalities, different um, to learn different training styles. Uh, It was all positive reinforcement, but we did have little extra extracurricular classes on on hunting or agility or show and all different kinds of things that they could think of but um that's how I first got into service dog training and I learned about good dog uh at the school as well because Laura Sylvester was doing uh little lectures there and she's the um founder of good dog and so after I graduated I had a friend who was training for them and I said do you think they need more trainers and she said yeah so I started with good dog soon after I graduated Bergen 
Nice. Well, many of our listeners I know don't have service dogs. Some mm-hmm. do, but many don't. And they're wondering, you know, how can I get my dog to be as well-behaved as a service dog? So I would love to dive deeper into maybe some of the things that we do as service dog trainers that are a little bit unique, but that, hey, mm-hmm. a family pet owner could do just the same. I think, you know, when they're young, you know, regardless of service dog or pet dog, I'm really wanting them to meet lots of different people. And we're going out on field trips where I'm carrying them places. Um, a lot of stores will allow dogs inside, you know, like, um, uh, Ace Hardware. We have hardware stores around here, or Lowe's or Home Depot. A lot of them are very, uh, accepting of dogs. And so, uh, we really, want to get our dogs out as much as we can when they're young to build those good associations with um, new people and new places and get them desensitized to all different kinds of noise and noises and different things that they may see. So I think that families could also do that. And I think that Baxter and Bella, we are big on socialization too. So it's a great program. If you want to train your own service dog, I think it's the perfect start um, because we really do talk about getting them out and getting them exposed to new things and new people, which is super important when they're very young. Yeah. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? It does. It really, really, really does. How about like the structure and routine of a service dog? I mean, can you just tell us a little bit about like the day in the life of a service dog and what that looks like? I think some of our listeners will be surprised to see that, oh, they're doing very similar things. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they're part of my family. I mean, they're a dog that I'm training, but they also, you know, they live in my house and they're part of my pack of of my dogs. Um, But uh, you know, there is a lot of structure. So I do keep them, you know, in a playpen or a smaller confined area at first, which is what I really encourage puppy parents to do. Don't give them too much freedom. Um, so I give them a very small space to learn as their home base. Um, we work on potty bell training from the get-go. Um, we do little short training sessions throughout the day, we try to do five to 10 minutes at a time so they don't get too burnt out. Um, they take crate rest naps a couple times a day for a few hours. I make sure they have that alone time in a crate by themselves. Um, there's barking and crying. Definitely. It happens even with service dog puppies. I've had some that bark and cry up to an hour and really, really try. Um, but they've all turned out to be wonderful dogs in the crate. Um, I like to get them out into the yard and playing with the other, with my dogs, um, working on, you know, like leaving items, like wanting to pick up the rocks and the wood chips and things like that. So we're working on keeping their attention and focus outside and rewarding and lots of treats throughout the day. Um, not stingy with treats, which I think a lot of people, it's a big concern, you know, is my dog going to get fat? Um, but I use their kibble and I use little, little tiny treats. And throughout the day, I call myself a pets dispenser. I'm just kind of constantly rewarding the good behavior that I see, um, and redirect them, um, also giving lots and lots of toys to play with so they're not chewing on things that, that are in the house. But I think my biggest advice is always a small space to start with. Don't give them too much freedom because that sets you up for a host of other problems that can pop up where they learn lifelong things like chewing on your shoes or your socks or your furniture. Yeah. So on that note, how long does it take to train a service dog? Maybe explain that process. Yeah. So typically most organizations and what good dog does is around two years old that they graduate. We have graduated them younger, but I think we found that with a little more time, they're a little more mature, um, which I think really helps because I mean, even though they're service dog puppies, they still go through all the stages that other puppies go through. Um, So usually around two is when they're ready to go. And so we work from about eight weeks. We get them at, I've had some at seven weeks, some at eight weeks, and then all the way through until they're two years old and they graduate. I think that's helpful for families to understand. You know, sometimes we see service dogs out in the community and I used to have this perception as well as, wow, those are perfect dogs. 
Right. You know, they never do anything wrong. Can you speak to that a little bit and how maybe each dog has their own personality and things that you see in service dogs that we might see in our own pets, but Hey, they're not perfect. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, distractions out in the environment. We can set up our service dogs. We try to expose them to as many, many things as we can think of, but I'm never going to be able to expose them to anything and everything that the family might come into contact with. So, um, you know, there are things that they may see that they've never seen before with me and they may have to work through that. And we, we teach the families how to work through that too. So we teach them how to kind of be a trainer in essence and help their dog continue on with their training because training is lifelong. So you can do two years of intense training with a service dog. And if they never do any of the training again, after they graduate, they're going to lose a lot of their skills. So it is something that they have to upkeep. And so, yeah, there are things that they can start doing like counter surfing or starting to, um, you know, dig in the yard or get into things, anything that normal, normal dogs do too, if they're still not there having structure in their life. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And it helps, I think, to have that healthy perspective too. It's easy, I think, to watch other people with their dogs and think, oh, they're doing so well. And then we see our dogs every second of every day and we see their highs and their lows. Right. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Well, cool. That's, uh, I think, helpful for others to understand and hear. What's your favorite service dog task to train? It's a hard one when I thought about this. There's so many fun commands, but I think it would go back to where I started with mobility commands and teaching a dog to turn on a light switch. I think that was just such a cool thing that I never would have imagined in my life that dogs could do like turning on a light switch. That's, and it seems so, you know, easy in our life just to go over and turn on a light switch, but for someone who maybe doesn't have the use of their arms or is confined to a wheelchair and not being able to reach a light switch, having a dog be able to do that for them is like so much freedom in their life. So I just thought that was so neat that a dog could learn how to do that. <laughs> that is cool. I think it's fascinating. That was my same thing when I started working with service dogs is learning how many things a dog could do. And right. I love it, Baxter and Bella sharing that with people like, okay, it's okay if you just want to train your dog to sit down, yeah. stay and come. Totally. Hey, did you know that your dog can do all of these other really cool things? Yeah, definitely. Could you explain just a little bit, maybe how you'd start that? Not, you don't have to go too much into detail, but how would you start training a dog to say, turn on, turn on a light switch? Yeah. So, I mean, we started when they were eight weeks old. You could definitely start at any age though, because we know that dogs can learn things at any age, but we started when they were little tiny puppies and we had some volunteers make these really cool boards that were maybe a foot wide by two feet tall, just piece of wood with a light switch fixed to the middle, just like your normal light plate that you would have in your house. And we started with that because the puppies are super short. And so we'd hold it down at our feet uh, and we started with free shaping. So we pretty much just let the puppy figure out what we wanted. So if they made any step closer to the light switch, we would yes and treat. They put their nose towards it to check it out. Yes and treat. And we would just start with them getting used to touching that item, being comfortable with it. And a lot of them surprisingly would start turning on the light switch just, you know, accidentally at first because they would nose it or try to get to it. And we would yes and treat. Uh, And it had a, they also paired the light switch going on with a little buzzer sound. So they would get that extra little reinforcement and sound. And we would add sometimes little pieces of tubing. We would cut like a short piece of plastic tubing and stick it on the end of the light switch. So they had some extra space to get their nose underneath um, and we take those away as they got better but uh, a lot of it was they just did it on accident they'd we'd point right underneath the light switch with our finger and they'd come in with their nose to check it out and then they'd lift their head up and voila the light would turn on and yes and treat and a couple times of that and they were doing it <laughs> consistently my favorite part about that way of training is watching the dog get so excited to work yes yes like they really I really enjoy that. it 
yep, I love watching their wheels turn in their head and they might try other things first that they know, you know, they usually would sit and down and try everything. And um, I just love, yeah, seeing a dog use their own brain to figure something out. Absolutely love it. I guess as we leave today, what's one thing or tip as a puppy trainer or a dog trainer that you could maybe speak to that would help, you know, the masses? I think my biggest thing that I probably like to share is just to be patient. Dogs, you know, they grow up faster than human kids, of course, but they, you know, it takes a while for them to catch on to things. And I think a lot of us struggle with patience. I know I do as a trainer, it's my biggest thing that I have to really slow down and not rush my dogs. Um, I really want them to get a concept and I I want it, I want them to get it and I get frustrated if they don't. And so I have to kind of slow down. And I think that's important. Even when you're just training your pet dog, you have to slow down, take the successes when you get them, really reward your pup for when they do anything right so that they're willing to keep working for you. Um, we don't want them shutting down. And I think that tends to happen if we get frustrated, which I know it's, it's life and we do, but, um, try to make it fun and try to be patient, but it does pay off and it's very mm-hmm. rewarding work. Would you agree to that as oh, know, training yeah. service dogs, even your own dogs, but training service oh, yeah. dogs too, I find super rewarding. It's hard. Oh, People yes. ask me, how do you let go of them? How do you say goodbye to them? Maybe I'll let you, you speak to that. But from my perspective, you know, it's hard, but it's worth it. Oh yeah, I agree. It's really hard. Um, My first one was the hardest. I probably still cry when I hear certain songs of the day of when I gave her away. And, but just knowing that they're going on to do something better and they are needed far more by someone else than they're needed to stay with me. Um, You know, I love them. And of course I will miss them always, but the, the work that they're going to do is so much more rewarding and they really love to work. You know, we see people out and about that sometimes feel like service dogs are you know, oh, it's sad. They have to work and they make comments about that. And I think that people that are training their dogs, like Baxter and Bella, people that are training their puppies could probably attest to it too, that dogs love to have a job. They love to learn. They love to work. It's what they were designed to do. I think that it's, it's really cool to see them go on and do something really rewarding and help someone that needs them. It's totally worth it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lara, for joining us today. Thanks for enlightening us a little bit about service dog work. I really appreciate all you do here at Baxter and Bella and for the great advice that you shared with our listeners today. Of course. Thank you for having me. This was fun. All right, everybody. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. I hope you get out there and live life with your dogs and I'll talk to you next week. If you have a question about anything you heard on this podcast or any other puppy training question, visit my site, baxterandbella.com to contact me. 